0: So in putting this show together, I try to present a variety of topics and viewpoints, mixing up researchers, clinicians, trainers, athletes, and the like. And many of you have requested hearing more from everyday women. So I've been making it my goal to include those voices too. And this week is one of those shows. I sat down with my longtime friend, Elizabeth Allen. Liz will be a familiar voice to anyone who attended last year's Feisty Women's Performance Summit where she was part of a panel who spoke on the topic of belonging. As a woman who identifies as a black plus size Gen Xer who has competed in traditionally white male spaces, though thankfully that's getting better, like cycling and mountain biking, belonging isn't something she's always felt too keenly, which is something we'll talk about here because well, that belonging piece can be even more challenging sometimes as we reach menopause and midlife. Liz was recently honored as a change maker in cycling by Stamina Racing Collective for helping change the cycling and larger outdoor industry to be more inclusive and welcoming to people of color. We talk about that as well as how women of different races experience menopause differently and her thoughts there too. Liz is particularly interested in the healing powers of nature and she shares her journeys in the outdoors on her Instagram and YouTube channels, Turtle Wandering. I invite you to check those out, and I'll have links in the show notes. Liz is thoughtful and open, and I really appreciated this honest conversation, and I hope you do too. Okay, before we get to it, a quick reminder that you can find us at Feisty Menopause on Instagram and Facebook. We have our private Hit Play Not Pause Facebook group, where you can come in and join the conversations. And if you have ideas for the show, hit me up at hitplaynotpause at lifeisty.com. As always, thank you, thank you for the hearts, the reviews, and the five star ratings. Your support makes everything possible. Also, please share the show with your friends. That's another way that really helps this show continue to grow. Okay, enough of me. Let's have a few words about our awesome sponsors and get on with the show. Good sleep. The one thing that sets you up for a great workout and a good day is quality sleep. We talk about it all the time here on the show, which is why I'm stoked to have Lagoon Sleep as a new sponsor. Because one of the most overlooked tools in a great sleep toolbox is the thing you literally rest your head on eight hours a night. Your pillow. A quality pillow is everything, otherwise you end up tossing, turning, punching and folding your pillow, waking up with neck pain, and all the stuff that happens when your pillow doesn't meet your personal comfort needs. Say hello to the most comfortable sleep you've ever had with Lagoon. They start you out with a two minute personalized pillow quiz and then pair you with your perfect pillow. I got the Otter, a cooling adjustable pillow that is perfect for side sleepers who run warm at night like I do. It is a dream. It's fully adjustable, so I was able to get the perfect loft and support The beauty of the pillow quiz is you can get the perfect pillow that you need to and make your sleep the best sleep you can have. Go to LagoonSleep.com/hipplay play and take the two minute quiz to find your perfect match and then use the code HIPPLAY, all caps one word, for 15% off your first purchase. Sweet dreams. For decades, running shoes have been researched, tested and designed for men. Brands have relied on the shrink-it and pink-it approach to sell male shoes to female customers. That's why we are stoked to be working with Hebes. Hedis designs athletic footwear for women that elevates performance, safety, and style. Hedis has unlocked the science behind women's biomechanics through dedicated research and creates better shoes for women's performance. Some of Hedda's special features include a lower ankle collar to reduce rubbing on women's ankle bones, a breathable mesh toe box to allow for ventilation and accommodate female toe shape, a more narrow and reductive heel cup to reduce heel slippage and take pressure off the Achilles, a rounded instep that creates a snug fit through the middle to match the curvature of a woman's foot, and supercritical foam and a PBEX plate in the midsole to keep our legs going when the going gets tough. HEDDAS has three shoe models designed for different sessions, the ALMA Cruise for your long runs, the ALMA Tempo for training days, and the ALMA Speed for pushing the pace. I've been running in the ALMA Tempos and they are a pleasure to train in. You can get your own pair of HEDDAS at HEDDAS.com and use the code FEISTY20, that's all caps FEISTY20, for 20% off. Check it out today. We'll put a clickable link in the show notes to make it a snap. Musculoskeletal health is everything during menopause. Everyone knows how much I love Joint Health Plus from Prevanex, which has helped me get back to distance running after arthritic toes stopped me in my tracks. Now they have a product that has become my go-to for muscle strength and recovery, Muscle Health Plus. Muscle Health Plus contains all the key ingredients we talk about on this show, like creatine monohydrate, essential amino acids, and branched chain amino acids, plus even more cutting edge ingredients like HMB and estrogen that are scientifically shown to increase muscle growth, recovery, and strength. I use it every day during my early morning lifting sessions and there's no question that it helps my power during those workouts and my recovery after. Plus, I love having everything I need from the best high quality ingredients in one reasonably priced shake. I've also heard from fellow users who have had bloating or GI upset in the past from creatine that haven't had any of that with Muscle Health Plus. I make my shake with almond milk and espresso, but it's also good with ice cold water, which makes the flavor really pop. As always, you can get 15% off your first order with the code HIPPLAY, all caps, one word, at Previnex.com. That's HIPPLAY, all caps, one word, at Previnex.com. Do your muscles a favor and head on over and get some today. Hello, Elizabeth. How are you?
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm good. How are you?
0: <laughs> I am good. It's funny when I was looking, this is like kind of an inside joke already, people. I uh, Liz and I go way back. But when I talked to her on a podcast before, she made it clear that I should, in my show notes, re- reference her as Elizabeth because that is your mother's preference. So <laughs> I honor that. And then I couldn't find my notes for you because I filed it under Elizabeth Allen. Like, I know I have notes for her. <laughs> where would they be? Oh, they're under E. Right. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You're not the first person to make that mistake. So.
0: <laughs> well, I'm glad to talk to you. Uh, people may, if they were at the, it was the performance summit just about a year ago, right? It was last March. Yeah.
1: yeah. I think so. That, yeah. you,
0: that you spoke on one of the panels. What panel was that? About belonging. About belonging. That was a yeah. that was a really good one. So she was, uh, Liz was on our uh, Women's Performance Panel Summit last year. We're having that coming up again in March. So welcome back. Welcome back to our community here.
1: Good to be back.
0: So we cross paths. I just want to set the, the stage a little bit. Like we cross paths through cycling. That's how I know you. And can you talk a little bit about how you got into endurance sports? Because I know that you were more of a ball sport person growing up.
1: Sure. Um So what's interesting with that is while I was a ball sport person, so I played basketball, softball, and I was on the track team, but for field events, I did not like running.
0: What did you throw? I was not on
1: the track. Uh, I did long jump, triple jump, and shot put.
0: Shot put, yeah.
1: Yeah, I picked up shot put my junior year because I'd actually broken the kneecap during basketball season. And so the knee, the muscles around my knee weren't strong enough for me to triple jump that year. So I still wanted a second event. So I picked up shot put. So that's, that's kind of what, what happened there is it kind of came out of an, an injury that it happened. But that being said, I think my body has always been built more for endurance. So even with those sports, I was sucking wind in the first quarter and hated everything about it. My lungs would burn and I was miserable. But the longer the game went, the stronger I felt that I was getting. So by the fourth quarter, when everybody else was like starting to wilt, I felt like I had more to come and more to bring. And it just I felt better at that point in time. So I think just naturally I was built more for in- endurance. And I just needed the length of the game to kind of get to that to that right. point. Right. Right. And from there, one, as an adult, especially as an adult woman, it's hard to find adult women's leagues right. for things like softball and basketball and, and stuff like that. So it's like you're looking for it and it's really not there. And certainly where we live, it's we have three cities, but it's not that big of a community. So, again, trying to find those things, whereas I feel like guys can find those beer belly softball leagues. Totally. And things like that, but it's much harder for, for women, especially when we were first coming up in our, in our 20s and our 30s, because there yeah. weren't as many. I, I feel like our, the younger generations are gonna have more of an advantage and be able to play a lot of those sports into their later years a little bit easier than, than we were. But I wanted something to, to do. I gained a lot of weight in college, And just didn't feel good about things and wanted to try something different. And I knew how to ride a bike since I was a kid. You've heard the story before of the fact that my father was a cyclist in the 70s, wouldn't buy me a BMX bike because a real bike had gears. But I always had this love of dirt. So given the opportunity, mountain bikes were now a thing. And I was like, you know what, I think I want to try mountain biking. And I had these visions of me whipping through the woods and between the trees and everything. And so I started riding a mountain bike and I liked it, but again, with mountain biking, there's a lot of strength involved, and it was still kind of anaerobic. And I wanted to build up my my endurance, so I saved up some money and I bought a road bike and realized that I could ride longer and then longer and longer. And I was like, I think I've found my my thing because it felt comfortable and it felt good to ride longer and again the longer I went so like the first 10 miles always was painful but then my friends would be like dropping me and letting me catch up and stuff because I mostly rode with guys but then they look up and we'd be 30 miles into the ride and they turn around and I was right behind them Hmm. because I'd gotten this energy burst of endurance that was just like all right now we're going and so it just kind of it just kind of fit.
0: But you did—you didn't abandon that mountain bike because I've—I've I've been at many races. You know, we 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 cross paths at a lot of mountain bike
1: races. Oh sure, I so I enjoyed it and I got decent at it. So I think I was a decent mountain bike racer because my handling was okay. I didn't have the speed that a lot of other people did, but I had the handling. So when you got to some of the rocky things, we talk about Pennsylvania. It's like Pennsylvania rocks, and you've got to be able to ride that stuff. And because I could pick those lines and do that, I had a decent amount of success, despite the fact that I really was lacking the the speed. Right. Because right. a lot of folks were slowing down, and I was able to basically be like, "On your left, here, I right. go. here I come."
0: Right. Right. Now that makes a lot of sense. Especially we we train and race and ride in such a unique place where it is like. You have to know how to ride the rocks. Right. All right. 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 Not going, you're but not that's going ab- really much of anywhere.
1: Right. But I was an absolutely terrible cycle cross racer because that was completely anaerobic.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, you're, yeah there's yeah, there's, there is no, and yeah, that's a whole different beast right there. So yeah. when, when you spoke at the performance summit, speaking of mountain biking, you told the story mm-hmm. that day about the day you quit mountain bike racing and, yeah. you know, I hate to make you relive that shit again, but I, you know, I do think the audience could benefit from hearing it because I'm sure there are others who have encountered that kind of attitude.
1: Sure. So, as I mentioned, I'd had a level of success. And so what it happened was I had to, bridge up I had to go up into the next category which was going to be longer and everything else and it was the first race of the season so I was super nervous I didn't necessarily understand like how to pace a longer race especially since this was a lap race and so I knew how to do that course like the back of my hand for one lap but I wasn't sure what it was going to be like for for two so I was like trying to be cautious and not blow out my energy in the first lap and then completely guess out was was my fear and i was probably about halfway through my second lap and i had heard a rider behind me a male behind me saying rider back and because of the early days of when i rode and i was slow i know how to be passed i can get passed like it's my job i have <laughs> no problem it's just a matter it's just a matter of giving me a moment to look up the trail figure out where's the safest place because i i like to keep moving because i think a lot of times they just want you to get off the trail and you could just stand there right and i used to do that early in my racing but it meant i spent a lot of time standing on the sides of trails and being out there unnecessarily long so i'd adapted a methodology where i could keep moving but still give you plenty of room to, to pass me because i'm not ever going to be somebody who's going to block somebody else. It's just a matter of, give me a second. And I guess I didn't pass fast enough for this dude or get out of his way fast Mm -hmm. enough because Mm -hmm. then what ended up happening was that I kind of swung over and he came up next to me and I looked at him, assuming that like we would exchange a pleasantry. I expected like a smile because most of the time people would basically be like, thank you, you know, appreciate it. Have a great race, something like that. You know, maybe a word of encouragement, whatever. That's what I was expecting. And instead I heard a get the fuck off the course. I'm fucking racing. And I, I get mad. I get equally as angry every time, maybe
0: angrier every time I hear this story. What did you and say just, in that moment? Did you say anything?
1: It took me a moment. Cause I think I was stunned. Right. So it took me this moment where I'm just like, and my brain is kind of going, honestly, did that fucking just happen? And then he started to pedal away and I finally then just started screaming where I was just like, I'm racing too. I paid my race fee just like you did, you know, and I cursed it out in some way, shape or form. And then I think the very last thing I said was nice sportsmanship, asshole.
0: That's appropriate. No, no, that's, that's about, that's about the right response. Um, yeah and that was actually your last mountain bike race
1: yeah yeah because between that and and I hadn't shared this at the at the conference I'd run into another issue with two other male riders that were just kind of lollygagging around and were actually blocking parts of the trail because it never occurred to them anybody else was still on the trail and so like there was a big dip in that course. And so you have to do this downhill, but you want to bomb it with speed because as you know, that speed is what's going to make it safer for you. If you scrub it, that's where you're going to get hurt. And I saw them and I was like, are you guys like pre-riding? Because that was always a pet peeve of mine too. And they're like, we're post-riding. And I'm like, I'm still racing, get off the trail. And they just looked at me and I was finally like, fucking move. (laughs) And they They finally moved and, you know, and I did that. And like the longer, the longer I was out there, as much as I get joy from racing and I get joy from riding, if it switches in my brain, then it gets dark really quick. And so it got really dark and it was the first time I'd ever cried while riding a bike. Oh man. And I crossed the finish and I just thought to myself, I'm done. This isn't fun anymore. I'm done.
0: I'm still so sorry that happened to you. Um, you continued to road ride, though, correct? Because we yes, did some, yeah. yeah, charity rides together mm-hmm. and multi-day mm-hmm. events together. Um, yeah. And and you were recently honored by Stamina Racing Collective as mm-hmm. a change maker in cycling for helping change the cycle, <laughs> change the cycling and larger outdoor industry to be more inclusive and welcoming of people of color. Um, you know what are what are some of the positives you've seen over the years? Obviously there's much more work that needs to be done, but in your opinion, like what has, what has been good that you've seen and what are some of the main dominoes we still need to work on toppling over?
1: Cause that's not a open question. <laughs> uh. Small <laughs> ones.
0: We're only asking small questions for this one.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. We're not going oh, to, I mean, we stuff. talked okay.
0: before about like what, And it was a lot of stuff that people wouldn't even think about. Like I interviewed you when I was still on the paceline podcast, Mm -hmm. you know, which is a cycling and you were just like, you know, helmets fitting on black hair, you know, like things that just uh, nobody in those design rooms ever thought about. And like, has that gotten better? Has I, you certainly, it looks, it looks to the untrained eye out here, like things, you know, there's more representation and there's, there's things are happening, But I'm wondering what it looks like inside.
1: So I think, yes, in that there's a a greater awareness and a recognition. And so I think those are two very different things. I think the awareness is kind of going, wait a minute, we don't have much diversity going on. And maybe we need to look into that and we need to deal with that and kind of address what are some of those issues that might be be going on and the reasons why. And then there's the recognition piece, which is kind of the, and what are we gonna do about it? So we can say, yes, we have a diversity problem and and it sits there. And so I've seen some also, some true efforts in the recognition piece so, kind of saying, "Yes, we have an issue, and here are the steps that we are going to take that will have an impact and have meaning beyond being performative, because if you stay just in the awareness piece, it ends up being very performative, and so, like you throw up a black square, you say, "Black lives matter <laughs> no, you're <gonna> say that. <laughs> right and You know, and that's kind of the the end of it. But then you look up and you go, okay, so it's a year later. And what has, has changed? You know, and one could say that not only diversity in regards to things like race, but also for like bigger bodies. Because, you know, I'm also not a small woman. And depending on where I am in that scale of not so smaller and you know and back and forth but plus size cycling clothing and the fact that some of the companies are finally starting to acknowledge that they need to make bigger sizes it's a start
0: i have a i have a question i'd love to intersect in that like because i think about this a lot i would think i think about this a lot like Mm -hmm. What what should in your mind that look like? Because I, do you want to see like XXXXXXL? Like, what does that even mean? You know, like when I look at the, that language that we use for clothing, I think, oh, we go from small to medium to large to X. Like, but like I find even that kind of like a, a strange I don't know that there's a better answer. Do you even know what I'm asking? Like, it, it's, it's, I do, I do. Okay.
1: So, I, I, I do. And I think there's, so I think there's two issues here. One, there's how the sizing is, is set up. In that, even a 2X in some of these sizes, when you equate it to women's pants sizes, which women's clothing is problematic on so many different levels, that could be its own podcast episode. Right. But looking at that and the fact that, for some companies, their 2XL is a women's size 12. Totally. Totally.
0: I, and that that is part of what I'm getting at. I'm like, because there's right. stuff that I'm I'm looking like, do I need a large? And then I'm like, if I need a large, what the hell is happening? You know, because I'm like, I'm, right. soft, I'm like a medium sized quote unquote. Whatever that, you know, I, I mean, it's it's such it's, a strange. I'm like, oh, do yeah. you really have clothes for everybody? Cause I'm thinking not if this is how it's running. Right. Well, and what I mean, message does that send?
1: Well, that's exactly it. And so, you know, even when you kind of go, what does that look like? And, and admittedly, I am spending more time really learning about that, too, as I've immersed myself, because even when you work in diversity spaces, you still continue to be a student of it. And so learning about truly bigger bodies, like bigger than I've personally ever been, And them kind of saying like, yeah, two X and three X is nice, but that still doesn't fit me. I need a four. I need a five. Don't call your sizing inclusive unless you're coming with at least a five X. But that being said, to your point, that five X should not be what a two X should be. Right. Because that's equally as discouraging. Right. Totally. And
0: that, that was what, that was what I was driving at and it, That's where I think there definitely still needs, if we, if we truly want like quote unquote all bodies on bikes, you know, and that's a big, that's not my tagline. That's, that's Marley's and um, Kaylee's. We need to, we need to look hard at that.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, absolutely. And I, I had somebody who was straight sized um, a number of years ago where I made a comment and I'm sure their intention was not to be hurtful, but the impact is that it was really dismissive and that, The idea of the, well, they're not making it because essentially that they don't make larger sizes because they don't view people with bigger bodies as being athletes and that we're not going to purchase it. But the reality is if you build a bigger size and you advertise it, because that's the other thing too, is a lot of times they don't really advertise it. It's kind of like, yeah, we have that size, but you got to dig deep into the website to find it. We're going to buy it. Because it's like you get additional, there are other considerations when you're bigger in the way of like rolls and chafing and, and stuff like that, that like you want, you want gear that's going to feel good. Yeah. And you know, the fitness industry can't in one end tell people you need to get in shape, but then on the other end, we're not going to give you the stuff that is going to feel good for you to get in shape because you're not in shape. It's like, wait, what?
0: Yeah that's been going on for a very long time. Oh yeah. 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 I think that, I think that is, you know, there, like you said, there's, there's some, what was the awareness and the the recognition? Tell me again. Yeah.
1: Awareness and recognition. Yes.
0: And which one is the action? The,
1: um, more the recognition. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So,
0: I think we're getting a little bit of both, but it's slow rolling, just like the, all the rest of these pieces.
1: Well, e- exactly. And and I think we're hitting a point where the idea of it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. People are tired of hearing that, where they're like, it needs to, to, to be here. Yeah. And why is it still not here? I mean, because interestingly enough, I had done some ambassador work for a brand a number of years ago. Um, that we will not mention and um, I called them out on their lack of inclusive gear that was 2012 their response was to blacklist me first off I was the only black ambassador they had and they blacklisted me and their sizing isn't any more inclusive in 2022
0: 10 years later or not quite but yeah
1: <laughs> well um, so yeah so I mean we I mean so there is some progress that's being made, but we definitely also have you know a, a way to to go with the gear with the helmet piece. Um, I feel like I've heard about maybe a couple of small companies that are trying to delve into the the helmet issue. I have a feeling there's going to be some engineering factors involved in, in that, so that's not a super simple answer, but I also feel like the industry really needs to get more inclusive models and really start honing in and dialing in on what those body shapes look like to be able to address a variety of, of people. Because if you're using the same model and just making it bigger, it's still not going to be – it's still not going to work for the different, the different bodies. Something's going to be off.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. A hundred percent. So I've I've noticed that from your cycling, you have sort of migrated into other, I see you doing other things. I see you hiking, you know, and, and walking. What has been the catalyst for you sort of exploring other sports?
1: Some of it was burnout. Uh, My, as my workload in my full-time job increased, my ability to get out and ride decreased. And with that, you know, your performance goes down. And so you get, you get frustrated by that and reflecting on it now, considering that was also happening in my, my forties, I wonder how much of that also might've been like kind of that perimenopause related Mm -hmm. thing. It's like, but you don't know what you don't know. I just know that my performance was starting to go down and it stopped being as much fun. And so I was feeling a sense of, of burnout, but I had always enjoyed hiking, but I hadn't hiked in years. And so part of me was kind of going, maybe, maybe I should go back to, to some, some hiking. And so I still had two big events to do. And this was in 2019. I still had two big events. One of them was the Pennsylvania permanent ride against cancer. And then I had a trip out to Michigan to meet up with a bunch of folks that I had gotten to know through uh, Zwift, because I had helped found a, what's now a rather large Zwift group, and so we were actually going to meet and do a ride together. And so I was like, I just got to get through Prac, I got to get through this ride, and then I'm going to hike. And so that's what I was holding on to in my head. Was and that like, was a big ride. I
0: mean, you say Prac, but people who don't know, that's like a 550 mile ride. That's extraordinarily hilly and very hard. <laughs> like, let's be clear.
1: Yeah. yeah. And that one was extra special and brutal. Is that the one that it rained a lot? No, that was the one 2017. Okay.
0: That was, that was very hard. It was the,
1: yeah, that one was hard because it rained and that was more winter gear than I've ever worn in July in my life because it also was cold. So
0: cold. (laughs) We were in New Hampshire. That was brutal. That was really hard.
1: Right. And then the last one was just because it was so hilly and it was just so climbing yeah yeah and up and up and just kept (laughs) up uh so got through prac semi successfully i guess i survived it and was really burned out after that and then did the ride in michigan had a good time and i had driven out there and drove back was home about 90 minutes and all of a sudden, my heart rate shot up and wouldn't go back down again, like to the point that I couldn't measure it. And I was like, something's wrong. I need to go to the hospital. And I did. And it turned out I was having a pulmonary embolism. Wow. So they, I ended up spending a couple of days in the hospital. And so part of the treatment of that is that they put you on a blood thinner for three to six months. And so during that six months, they were like, you can't ride your bike because you can't fall.
0: Right. You'll bleed out.
1: Exactly. They were like, mm-hmm. if you fall, especially if you hit your head, you have to go to an, you have to go to the hospital. And so between that, and I think because I was already burning out on it and I equated the trip with the embolism, my brain kind of put those two together. And I was like, you know what? I kind of need to take a break from cycling for a while. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. So you, in these, in these hikes and in these walks, I've noticed that you use a lot of mental health and self-care hashtags, including things like nature's healing, mental health matters, outdoor therapy, take care of you. You know, we hear a lot from women, especially at this point, you know, who start having increased anxiety. They have depression during the menopause transition. And, you know, as long as we've known each other, I don't know that we've talked, like, what is your personal experience with mental health? I mean, this, this has made me think like, oh, maybe- there's something that i don't know and you know maybe something that's new so what is your what is your history there what's that all about
1: um so i guess i have a professional and a personal history with, with mm-hmm. mental health so professionally i have a masters in counseling i work for a nonprofit that services young people with mental health difficulties and are working through that. So I've been a, a child and family therapist now for 26 years. I've worked in the mental health space. I've worked in inpatient, the whole nine. I've also myself lived with depression since I was 12. Hmm. So about 40 years. It's a long time. It's a bit of a long time. And then in my twenties, <laughs> I developed a, uh, I developed anxiety as well. Cause you know, why not? But, <laughs> but the two tend to coexist yeah um, they do very two comorbidities of- so
0: yeah yeah did that did that um did that change any once you hit the the menopause transition and started do, have you noticed any changes
1: the last 2 years it was probably on fire and so the question is like how much of that was menopause how much of that was the pandemic hmm. how much of that was other and so it was almost like the perfect storm of how can you completely trash your mental health in a very short period of, of time. So I think the, a lot of those hashtags have come out of the things that I'm trying to do, along with encouraging other people to do to kind of work through some of these some of these battles that we we deal with internally.
0: So where are you, if you don't mind me asking, in this transition? Are you through the menopause transition? Are you in it? Are you waking up in a sweat? I mean, what, like, what's, <laughs> what, what, what is the journey looking
1: like for you? Uh, so I still get heat flashes for, for sure. The They tend to run in cycles for me, I've, I've found. So they'll, they'll go on for a couple months and then they might stop for a couple months. And I'm like, maybe we're done are we done? (laughs) Damn it. We're not done.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So like right now I'm in a cycle where the worst of it, it's kind of dipped down that it seems they only flare up in the evening time. Mm -hmm. Some of the other symptoms, it's hard for me to tell because I had also had a hysterectomy at 39. So I haven't had a period since then. Right. Right. And that's one of the bigger tell tell signs is (laughs) what happens with your flow. And I'm like, Mm. (laughs) not
0: not so much you're not alone now we hear that we hear that a lot so it it does take other detective work right to figure out like sort of Mm -hmm. where you are in this whole whole thing um I'm curious
1: you know go ahead no I was gonna say and I feel like that's where the podcast and the space that you community you've created with the group and everything has been so valuable because there have been things that like I've learned through all of that because we talk about this our parents our moms didn't talk about these things and they didn't know it was just like it was all the change you know and did right. you have the change and that was it and now it's like huh and that and that and that too huh
0: yeah you're connecting okay. all these it, dots yeah really
1: am and had no idea that the dots were even there but now all of a sudden it's like all right and we're we're painting the picture
0: yeah, totally. It's funny. My mom was just over for dinner on Sunday with my dad and she's <laughs> I'm hearing all about her menopause experience now because she she never <laughs> talked about it. You know, she's like nobody ever talked about this and she's telling me all about like, you know, going to her doctor when she was 45 and having all this stuff and her doctor just said you're too young for that. And that was it, like closed-door discussion. And I'm like, well, that you're not too young to have symptoms starting when you're 45. That's actually not true. So, it's been interesting to like I think she's really happy to have that door broken down for herself at 75 or whatever. She is 76, you know, mm-hmm. it's crazy. We've, we've been talking a lot about, about, you know, the diversifying of the outdoors and the endurance sports space. And I'm really curious about your impressions of this space of the menopause space, because, you know, there are a number of great Instagram accounts that I'm seeing, but again, I'm seeing through a set of eyes that are not your eyes. So I'm curious what, how you, how it looks to you.
1: So I think I need to I need to get on your your algorithm for the for, for Instagram. <laughs> am, I, am I seeing more black people in menopause than you are? <laughs> I, I think uh, ironically, I think you are <laughs> <laughs> so I clearly I've got this group of people that uh, that you know about and I don't, so we need to we need to figure out where, where they where they are and maybe make an introduction of, of some of some sort. I think the encouraging part though is the fact that it is being talked about and not only talked about but like owned as in this is okay and let's yeah bring it and there's an excitement to that which is yeah. really positive and refreshing and so encouraging not only for us but then i think about those coming after us you know i love to say that i'm a very fierce auntie and so you know i'm an aunt to, to beautiful teenage girls and i can only imagine how much easier it's going to be for them totally in 30 you know 25 30 plus years i can't even imagine the i honestly can't
0: yeah. envision it it's like a whole mm-hmm. is you know it's i mean there's still going to be a lot of bullshit let's be clear that lasts a long time right but I, there's the world will look very different and the, and how they how they experience all of this all of these stages is going to be very different no no question about it you know, it's interesting. There's been, you know, there's been some early research that I've looked into because we, you know, you talk about like the culture and how the culture even affects like how we all experience menopause. You know, that's sort of been pretty well documented that different cultures experience it differently. And I was, when I was digging into the book with Stacy, I was coming across research that black women start menopause earlier and spend more than 10 years having hot flashes and night sweats compared to 6.5 years for white women and, you know, non-Hispanic, specifically white women. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I can't help but think the culture piece is contributes to, to that. And I'm wondering like your impressions of going through menopause as a black woman. And if you could raise, like wave a magic wand, like what, what research would you like somebody to conduct in that space?
1: Sure. Well, and so I, so oftentimes these things are are intersections, right? So they kind of play off each other. So, you know, I mentioned I've had a hysterectomy at 39. Well, the reality is by between the ages of 18 and 35, 6% of white women might have fibroids, which is the reason why I had the hysterectomy. Over 30% of black women have had them. And by the time we hit 35, it jumps up to 60 percent.
0: Is there have you seen research on why?
1: That's the question, I think. And so I've done some research on it. And well, my looking to figure out, has there been research on it? Let me correct that statement because I'm not a scientist. Yeah. They really don't know why yet. I think it's one of those things, but that kind of brings into your other question, which is, I think there needs to be more research on a lot of these things because if you're not doing the research about that, and then it's then leading to life-altering surgeries that then impact even the normal signs of menopause. Right. It kind of it kind of all becomes almost like a, a, a full. Circle piece. So, if I could wave a magic wand, I would like to see more research on again a more diverse population. And but to have that happen, researchers and groups would have to be more willing to do things like, for instance, pay participants. So, the one study I was reading was talking about the fact that sometimes it's easier to get participants that are middle-aged white women due to the more often being maybe like a stay-at-home mom and it's so they can do these things during the daytime and they don't necessarily need the income. And whereas when you get to women of of color and so not just black women, but then also like Latinx women, those are not as, as possible and there are other considerations and if you make it better for them you make it better for everybody because it's it's like anything where if you finally start helping underrepresented groups it's going to help the majority as as well like that's a secondary help but then that's also going to help the the white working mom who wants to do this research but can't afford to pay for a babysitter while they go do it you know but really doing that research and digging into what does this happen? And then being able to maybe break it down better ethnically. So what happens for black women? What happens for Latinx women? What happens for Asian women? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: What happens for native and indigenous women? Mm -hmm. And really kind of looking at those pieces. And then if you really want to take a deep dive into intersection, what does potentially menopause also look like for maybe trans men? or non-binary folks, like if you really want to go and blow it out there. But you have to be open to wanting to look at all those diverse populations. And I think it's too easy for researchers to basically be, I need a hundred folks. I oh, got totally. 100.
0: Yeah, no, totally. And it's interesting, that same study that I was re- referencing earlier, I found two. And one of them actually did, uh, it did not go as far as, as trans men or into any binary, you know, it didn't, it didn't touch that. Area at all, but it did uh it was very inclusive in that it was every race I could have imagined, you know, and it had like they re- like when they reached menopause So it was interesting, but it didn't, it was just statistics on that, right? So it doesn't really tell much. I mean, it tells a story in that you're like you can see there's differences in these populations, but then okay, you know, where do we where do we go from there? Can we answer the question why and what to do about it? And there, you know, there's not much more there. So yeah. And, and, you know, we're talking about, we've just really finally started studying women in general in medical spaces. You know, when you talk about cardiology and all that, I mean, we've talked about that on the show, like my God, you know we've just finally, and Absolutely. let alone menopausal women. So um, I do think that that is a knockoff benefit of having more people like us talking about all this stuff is this uh, raising that awareness that we're here you know and that that there are people who care about this stuff and there's people who want to talk mm-hmm. about it so um it's been a, it's been eye opening on the show having people in the research space going huh we never have looked at that have we you know and like you know they're just they're they're so in that world that it just hasn't even occurred to them like wow we haven't looked at this population in sport you know so when i was talking to the cardiologist she was like they've never talked about menopausal athletes at their sports cardiology conference. I'm
1: like, oh, well, cool. Maybe you should. Well, exactly. And I try to give grace in that idea of you only know what you know. And so right. it is that frame of reference. And so your frame of reference has always been this. That's where you're always going to be focused. And so I think that's where you need folks to kind of, to start shaking stuff up and, you know, also really, paying attention when folks are saying things, because I think it's too easy to kind of blow that that off and kind of say, okay, they're just being a troublemaker or nothing is ever good enough for you, you know, kind of that no good deed. And I I think about even what you've spoken about in the past with the whole concept of what kind of ended up being the catalyst to this of the forgotten athletes. And the fact that there was this group of women that kept saying, hey, what about us? Right. But it would have been very, in theory, I mean, obviously you had a stake in the game because you were of right. the of the age, but it, it would have been very easy for you or Dr. Sims or somebody else to basically be like, eh, like that's, that's not our thing. That's not really what I'm focused in. I'm not interested in that. Somebody else can do that. They need to be happy that we're doing any research at all. And that's oftentimes what has happened. So the fact that there are now people that are hearing it and then kind of saying, you know what, we need to address that. That's encouraging for sure. Totally.
0: Yeah. I I agree with that. And I, I take, I take any win I can get, (laughs) you know, in this, I, uh, I take any win I can get. Yeah. So before, before we, we, I let you go, I I definitely want to talk about turtle wandering, um, which (laughs) is your YouTube and your other channel. Which is the tagline is diversifying and demystifying the outdoors, dismantling isms, building our mental health and drinking great coffee. Um, you know, and I have to say, when I first saw this, my my initial act- reaction was literally, holy shit, Liz started a YouTube channel. Because <laughs> I, I just like, I think of you as like, maybe I'm wrong. I think you guys kind of introverted, like. And I, I am surprisingly people don't realize like I'm pretty introverted even though I seem very extroverted. Um, so, what inspired you to put yourself out there like this? You know, like is it this part of life that you're just like ah, I don't give an <laughs> f. I'm gonna like you know.
1: I, I think a little bit. So you're you are correct. I very much am an introvert, although I am in extroverted roles even professionally. I teach people for for a living. I organizational development person so I train folks and stand up in front of people and, and talk about stuff but then I'm like yeah I kind of want my quiet little space so I am an introvert and I've also got shy shyness tendencies but I also love photography and I always always have it's it's another one of those things that my father shared with me was a love of photography and so I've always enjoyed taking pictures. I also happen to have a bachelor's in broadcast journalism. So mm. video was always a interest of mine as, as well. And so some of this kind of came out of the, the pandemic as well. So we looked up and the world shut down, you know, and all of a sudden everybody was done. But the big thing everyone kept saying is that the outdoors, this is a great time to get outside and let's go do things. Right. And, and I looked at that, and it just happens where I live. I live across the street from two very nice city parks. And so I was like, I'm just going to go outside and take a walk after after work. Because it's like we really didn't know what was going on. Everybody's anxiety was really high. And so it was easy to kind of say, you know what, it's a nice day. I'm just going to go out and take a walk. And while I was doing that, I was really trying to harness, harness and hone in on What I saw was beautiful because I felt like there needed to be something that was still beautiful in what was going on that felt so chaotic and scary. And so I just started taking these pictures and then I started putting them on my personal social media and I was getting a lot of really good feedback about it. And folks were like, have you ever thought about like creating a blog or a vlog or something? And I was like, "Mm hmm, Maybe. Because I've also been encouraged to write a book at one point. My mother still wants me to write my great American screenplay, maybe one day. But I thought about it. I was like, you know what? Maybe a YouTube might be kind of fun to to do. With the idea being that through my lens, I can hopefully, one, people can see themselves maybe in some of the things that I can do. Or they can be encouraged or motivated to try some of the things that, that I'm, I'm doing. I'm going to break down some of those pieces that make it seem so big and lofty because it doesn't have to be a grand adventure. It could be, your adventure could be at the park. Right. And through this, hopefully, it allows people to, to feel better. I mean, there are studies that have said even 20 minutes a day outside improves mental health. And so you don't need a lot of time. And maybe, again, for somebody, for whatever reason, including maybe a disability or something, maybe them just being able to sit out on a porch and feel the sun hitting them can still just be so life-giving and such a beautiful experience. And so that's kind of what I wanted to to do. And I mean, we're not going to lie. It's, It's still kind of scary putting myself out there. But there is that part of me that's just like, I, I joked with somebody that I turned 50 and somewhere along the line the F's kind of started to go, yeah, I don't care. And you know, I just looked up and folks would joke about it, say, I'm like, I don't care, I'm 50 now. Yep. <laughs> what do you do about it? I'm 50.
0: No, that's a you're not alone. It's it's one of the joys of that. <laughs>
1: like you're just like, mm, Yeah. And not realizing that that was a phenomenon. Like I just kind of was like, yeah, I'm 50 now. I don't care. Whatever. Do no, that's it, great. It. And yeah,
0: and you you've expanded like your own. You know, you took up stand up paddleboarding a little bit, or at least got a stand up paddleboard, and that you know that was your own adventure. I mean, it's it's sort of you know we talk about sort of fi- finding other avenues and trying new things at, at this point too, because you know sometimes. You reach a point where you're getting frustrated and you're not getting the same results in the sport that you've always done or whatever. And like all of a sudden you try this other thing and there's nowhere to go but up. And it's kind of cool. And you know, it's been it was kind of fun to see you out on a paddleboard. I, I love of, it.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I know you do. And so when I had an opportunity to try paddle boarding, where it's like, you know, you pay a small fee and they loan you the board and they take you out and The time when we done that, I actually was really having a rough time with my anxiety and my depression and everything. And that was the calmest I had been since my trip to Hawaii, which happened right before the pandemic. And I was like, this feels so good. There was something that's so calming and meditative about being out there. And it just happened that it, it rained a little bit while we were out there. But then when it stopped, which felt really kind of cool, but then we turned around, there was the most amazing rainbow. Oh, wow. And someone actually captured a a picture of it. So there's this picture of me and the person that was leading the thing looking behind us to see this incredible rainbow. And I was like, I think I found another sport.
0: Yeah, I saw that. I saw your post and I thought it encapsulated what I love so much. Like the first time I went out, I have never felt that Immediate and palpable of a calm washing over me ever like I as soon as I sort of drifted out under the water I was like it it just felt like something had just drained in a good way right like like all that negative energy just sort of drained out of me and I was like I this I need this in my life like always
1: yeah it's it's almost hard to put into words yeah it really is you know. But it's just, yeah, it's just so calming and peaceful and joyful, but not in a euphoric joyful way. Right. It's a very calm joy that I hope everybody gets to experience it at some point in their life because it's a unique thing, but it's also a very beautiful thing all at once.
0: Yeah, I 100% agree with that. Well, this has been delightful as is there anything that we uh, have not talked about that you thought that you would like to leave our audience
1: with I guess all I'm thinking is you know really I want to encourage the audience to really do the things that you think are going to bring you some happiness don't be afraid to to try something I learned a new goal model and part of it is the idea of do it scared so Mm. You know, don't with those things that make you nervous or hesitate, put yourself out there and give it, give it a go because we've only, you know, life is not a dress rehearsal, right? You know, and we still have a lot of really amazing time on this planet to do some absolutely amazing things and you just have to, to just take care of yourself and and go for it. You know, so I guess that would be kind of my, my final parting words is just to just do the thing.
0: Okay. That's our show. Join me next week when I sit down with Molly Downey, a dietitian and nutritionist who specializes in glucose control, metabolism, and weight loss. She works as a nutrition manager at NutriSense, and we dive real deep into all things blood sugar control, menopause, and glucose monitoring. You won't want to miss this one, so come on back next week. And until then, as always, you know what to do. Stay feisty. You've been listening to Hit Play, Not Pause a feisty menopause podcast for active performance-minded women. I'm your host, Celine Yeager. The show is edited and produced by the strong, talented, and amazing women at Live Feisty Media. Follow us on social media at Feisty Menopause. And please help us spread the word. Screenshot and share this episode on your social media channels with the tag at Feisty Menopause. Share the show with your friends. And please subscribe, like, review, and rate this show wherever you get your podcasts. Word of mouth and good reviews make it easier for other listeners to find. Thanks for listening, and as always, stay feisty. As a lifelong runner and cyclist, I am stoked to announce that tofosi Optics has come on as a podcast sponsor. The beauty of Tifosi sports glasses is that they hit all the marks. They are shatterproof polycarbonate, so the lenses not only reduce glare, but also offer scratch resistance and complete eye protection. They stay put. They have little hydrophilic rubber nose pads that actually get more grippy the more you sweat, so they stay secure and don't slide down your face even when you're running in sauna-like conditions. No matter what sport you do, they have a shade for your activity, including tennis, fishing, pickleball, running, cycling, and just hanging out at the beach. And they are super reasonably well-priced, which is very hard to find in a sea of overpriced eyewear. And they just look freaking rad. So head on over to tafosioptics.com and use the code FM, capital F, and capital M, like feisty menopause, number 20, FM20, to get 20% off your order today. I'll put a clickable link in the show notes to make it a snap.